Good morning, it's great to see you. If you have a Bible, you might like to turn to John Gospel, chapter 7. If you've got it on a tablet or a phone or whatever it is you're looking at this morning. If you don't have any of those, then just sit back, listen and relax. We're going to look at John 7, a couple of verses together, just for a moment or two. Today is Pentecost Sunday. Uh, as Andrew was sharing, how exciting is that, that about Petersham? Uh, that, that is just, um, it's just incredible. It's just amazing. Talk about overflow. That, that is just uh, so incredible. And um, it, that's so good. Um, it's interesting. I don't know, I don't know if anyone, um, you know, well, probably lots of people looked at the, were watching a bit of the royal wedding. There's a lot of people raving about the uh, Anglican, the Episcopalian bishop who spoke at the, the wedding. And uh, the Independent, uh, uh, you know, the newspaper, the Independent, now it's all online. But the Independent was raving and saying he was inspirational. Uh, not, not, not known to be um, necessarily supporters of Christianity as the Independent. Not that they're anti, but it's quite spectacular because he's a man of conviction. Passion, conviction, living reality speaks today. You know when people say, you know, religion, spirituality, it's all dead. It's not dead. How amazing is that? How amazing. And uh, was it, they reckon, a billion people? 1.9 billion, perhaps, watching. How amazing was that, to see a lovely couple get married? That's great. And all the pomp and ceremony, that's really lovely. But how amazing was to hear that man of God speak the way he spoke with passion. Hey, come on, God is an amazing God. He wants to do amazing things. We get a bit used to, to settling for something that is that is not the supernatural. We, we think it's natural, but it's not. God's, God's natural is supernatural. He's the God of Morvan. And it's that that I want to speak about in a moment or two this morning. So in John chapter 7, we're going to look at verses 37 to 39, just for a moment or two. And I'm reading from the NIV, and it reads like this. On the last and greatest day of the feast or the festival, Jesus stood up and said in a loud voice, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scriptures have said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. By this he meant the Spirit, or the Holy Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time, the Spirit had not been given since Jesus had not yet been glorified. If anyone is thirsty, let them come to me, that's Jesus, and drink. We can drink of the living Jesus. That's what that um, Anglican bishop was on about on yesterday. Um, whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. I want to ask you this morning, are you thirsty? Are you thirsty? Perhaps, maybe, um, maybe I should ask you, do you have a thirst? Um, it's interesting, today uh, I've, I found out that there are 844 million people on the face of this planet that still do not have access to clean water. That's an injustice, isn't it? I didn't realize it was that many. 844 million people in the world today do not have access for clean water. I say this because to you and I, I, I can turn on a tap and it's great. And this account can be, um, I would say like water off a duck's back. But it, it can sort of, I've read this story so many times. And because I can turn on a tap, it doesn't have quite the same effect as if I was one of the 844 million that didn't have access to clean water right now. 
And that's Water Aid, the charity Water Aid. You know, they're working, lots of other amazing charities working to make sure that the world, there's a sense of justice where everybody can have access to clean uh, water. Um, but um, to you and me, thank God, you know, we live in an amazing country. I know you might have a go at Trent Water and your bill that comes through your door every now and again. But we, we can turn on a tap, and we've got used to that a little bit too much. Now, this account, I want you just to think about the 844 million that don't. Because this account, this story that I've just read, would have been such a time in the East. And in the East, and 2000, over 2,000 years ago, many people would not have had access to good, clean water. And so this, this account, when Jesus started to speak about, if you're thirsty, come to me and I'll give you living water, was amazing. And it's equally amazing for you and I today, spiritually speaking. So I just want to just talk about that for a moment or two. Um, people at that time you know, didn't have that sense of access to, to, to water. Uh, it today, actually, today, in India, there are thousands of rural villages that do not have water. Actually, today, in India, India sending um, satellites into space. Very powerful country now the nation of India, and yet in that same nation, there are literally tens of thousands of rural villages where the people wash their cattle and their clothes and themselves and go to the toilet in a river and drink from it. Thousands. It's it's literally millions of people, millions um, uh, in that experience. So that's why when you go to India and um, we, 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 as a church, link with an organization, Air Ministries, that um, sink wells in villages and you share this message, come to Jesus and he'll give you a drink, the whole world turns up. It's, you know, the pomp and ceremony of yesterday, I don't know if you've watched any of that, it's a bit like that when you open a well in a village in India. Everybody comes out in their finest and it's, it, it's just spectacular. Well, it would have been like that on this day 2,000 and a bit years ago of the festival. I'll, I'll give you a bit of context of the story that we want to talk about so we can try and put ourselves back then and then we'll look at what is the relevancy for you and I today. Is there a relevancy? I believe there is. But let's try and just get back there for a moment or two. Um, the, the historical nature of this story is this. The, it says the last day of the festival or the feast. That feast was called the Feast of Tabernacles. To give you just a bit of a rough idea, on that day, and on a number of days, what would be the highlight of that day was um, the drawing of the water ceremony on this last day of this festival. So when John says, on the last and greatest day of the festival, there was a highlight of that day, on that feast, it was the drawing of the water ceremony. And what would happen is, from the temple, there'd be a huge procession. Troop in the colour, the guards in all their finery. I know this country does pomp and ceremony like no other nation. But on that day, the whole temple, thousands of people, in uh, the priests would have been in their white linen robes. The sun would have been shining. It would have been a hot day. There would have been um, gongs and cymbals and horns would be blazing. Thousands and thousands, tens of thousands of people would have lined the street as everybody went down to the pool of Siloam from the Temple Mount. And they drew water from the pool. It would have been in a large pitcher, you know, to, to gather water. It would, it would be, you know, you know, 
like a bucket, like a, like a gallon or whatever. It be a bit, a lot of water. They would draw the water and then they would proceed back up to the Temple Mount, and they would be singing and they'd be clanging of gongs and singing and jubilation and just like they were waving the flag and all. You saw it, the horses were going a bit mental as they were waving flags in Windsor. They would have been waving and singing and shouting. And as they did, and as they proceeded back up to the Temple, they would be um, singing to the um, Isaiah 12 verse 3 with joy we shall draw water from the wells of salvation that's the sort of picture of the day it would have been a spectacular day as they went up to the 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 temple mount and as they got to the temple mount with the singing and with these words that with joy we shall draw water from the wells of salvation they pour out the water over the temple it's a way of thanking God for his abundance thanking God for his goodness and in a climate where very few people had clean water. It was a way of saying, God, we water is life, and God, you are life, and we need you, and we bless you, and thank you. Now, it was in that background that Jesus then stands up, get it, get this, and says, now this was spectacular. Talk about silence in everyone. It's into that, and he goes, ta-da! Not quite like that. He wouldn't have drawn that sort of attention. But he said, if anyone is thirsty, let them come to me, that's Jesus, and drink. And I will give you living water that will just flow out from your life. It was spectacular. They would have understood what the meaning, the power of it all by this then John had to explain to, for, for you and I first today that this is the spirit, the life. There's life. You know, water is life, and there's a spiritual life for you and I. And so this would have had a profound effect on his listeners. He's now got their attention. He would have had their attention. If you can come with me, just look at verse 37 to 39, and we're just going to look at that. I've set the, set the scene, set the background. Jesus is speaking, if we come to him, you're, this water you need for life, and in the eastern desert climate, that's absolutely right. Uh, but he's also saying, now, this water pales into insignificance. You'll be thirsty again, but I will give you, I can meet your spiritual desire, your true inner heart desire, thirst for life. It can be found in the living God, a relationship with God through the power of his spirit, through Jesus Christ, and this is what he's saying. So we're going to just look at those words. I want to unpack them just really quickly. Just to, uh, so we're going to look at those words. So he says, let anyone who is thirsty... And then uh, uh, come to me and drink. Rivers of living water um, will uh, flow out from them. So I just want to just take those and unpack those words just for a moment or two and put their meaning for us, you and I today. He says, let anyone who is thirsty. I ask the question, are you thirsty today? Well, the answer would be, well, we all thirst. Everyone has a thirst. But people will say they've got a real thirst for life. You know, when you meet someone that's really having a go at life, a real thirst for life. Some people are thirsty for, their, their, for power. Some people are very thirsty for their job to climb up the ladder. Nothing wrong in that. There's nothing wrong with progressing in your career. Uh, some people thirst for direction in life. Some, pe- some people thirst for love. Someone just to love you. Love me. To be truly loved. There's a real thirst. There's a, there's a thirst in the human heart goes without saying. I know physically we thirst. But there is a deep thirst in the human heart. But what is it you're thirsting for? The, the word thirst literally has a root meaning. It means to become dry, to crave urgently, 
strong desire for, impatient craving for. This idea of thirst. Impatiently crave, strong desire. When you're truly thirsty, you, you, you know, thirst, true thirst, if you're in a desert, can drive you literally mad. Thirst, you can survive, you know, you can survive, you know, for quite a number of weeks without eating. Obviously, you need to eat eventually. But with water, you, you don't survive many days. It, it, it literally, scientists have looked at this and it says it literally drives a thirsty person. The craving drives you literally mad. The body desires, craves. And there's this idea of thirst being this, when we're dry. And, you know, we can thirst for many things. As I said, power, promotion, things, purpose, hope, love. But the question is, um, are you thirsty for God? True life. Jesus shows here that true life, true purpose, true satisfaction, he, he shares here. It's not, I mean, it's not wrong to thirst for, for these other things in life. It's not, they're not wrong. They're good things. But true satisfaction, true quenching of the thirst. The more I talk about being thirsty, the more thirsty I actually become. Makes you feel on a hot day, doesn't it? But true quench of your thirst is found in the living God, our creator, who made us. He makes you and I knows what makes us tick. And this is what Jesus is saying. Jesus said, God's answers are deepest desire. Mankind's deepest need is answered. This is what Jesus is saying. If anyone is thirsty, your deepest desire, your deepest need, your need in life, the deepest need and desire is answered by our creator, the living God. I mean, it's an interesting paradox, isn't it? Um, the more we drink of this world, the more we thirst. I don't know about you, but um, I find that when I have got the latest iPhone, I have a look at it. After, after, after a few months, I think, actually, it's not that brilliant, really. It takes a slightly better picture. It's a bit quicker. But I, I may do with a, a rubbishy old brick and a Nokia with an antenna the size of, I don't know about that, years ago. It, 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 the, more, the more you get, the more you want. It's, it's, a, it's an interesting paradox. No matter what we have in life, there's something about the thirst that we have for the stuff of this life, for things, for power. It's, it's as if it's like a salty drink. There's something saline in it. In, in life. It's not wrong to have things. It's okay. But there's a paradox. And Jesus understood this paradox. He said, but God, in God, there is a satisfaction that truly, there's a something that truly quenches the thirst, the love of relationship with the living God truly satisfies. Let anyone who is thirsty, any craving, a deep desire, urgent, strong desire for life, for life, the truth, the meaning, purpose of life. Then Jesus says this, come to me and drink. Second thing I want to say. Have a look at that. Do you notice he says, if anyone is thirsty, there's this craving for life, this deep down craving in life. Then he says this, come to me and drink. Martin Luther King said this, uh, let us not seek to satisfy our thirst for freedom by drinking from the cup of bitterness. Let us not seek to satisfy our thirst for freedom by drinking from the cup of bitterness. You know, in life, all of us are thirsty and all of us are going to drink from some sort of cup. You're going to drink from somewhere. We're all thirsty in life. We all thirst. The question is, 
What's the cup? Where are you drinking from? Martin Luther King said, if you want freedom and you thirst for it, don't drink from the cup of bitterness. It, it, it just doesn't work. It doesn't work. And that's the question. In you, for you and I in life, you know, for life, we, we're drinking from the cup of promotion or the cup of love or, or the cup of another person. or I don't, I don't know. Only you know where you're at. It's not for me to know about you, but I know about myself. And there's a cup of life. There's a cup of life. His name is Jesus Christ. Wow. What an amazing God. A living God. And um, so what cup are you drinking from? I'll leave it with you. What cup are you drinking from? All of us drink from some sort of cup because we thirst for something. And I want to drink. So Jesus says, come to me. Come to me. And drink. I, I discovered in India, I've been in India, I've only been to India once, and with a number of other people here at church, we've, been, we've linked up with a, a group, a Christian group in India, and uh, I was over there at a time when it was over 90, de- it was 90 plus degrees, it was probably 100 and something to be honest in, in the sun, <laughs> and, uh, and it also had high humidity, so high temperature that could kill you, and humidity, it I, I've never experienced anything like it in my life. And um, so Bishop Sudhir, who was there, kept saying to... I think I was there over the net at the time. And uh, he kept saying, Adrian, sip often. Drink, drink. All the time, he was telling me. You know, um, I, I would have like a little bottle. I, I had a litre bottle of the stuff. You know, you go around and you, th- you, you take just a little bottle with you. You think you're pretty cool when you're walking around with this little bottle. It was, it was like, I hate carrying stuff around with me. I like to travel light wherever I go, carry very little with me. And um, this dirty, great litre bottle of the stuff. And I was drinking it all the time. And I was, I nearly said something wrong then. I was sweating quite a lot. (laughs) All the time. I was soaked. It was awful. I felt uncomfortable. I felt riffy and dirty. You had to get up and speak somewhere with some other Christians. And you feel, and I was soaked. I sit down and uh, you know, every, it was just, it was, I dripped. I was a big drip that day, I tell you. For two weeks, I was a drip. <laughs> uh, but I, you had to drink. Sadir said to me all the time, Adrian, drink. Adrian, drink. Didn't he? So, Annette, he would say, sit. And constant. I had to, you had to sip, drink often. We had to drink often. Uh, it's really interesting, that experience, because if we hadn't, we'd be dehydrated. Signs of dehydration is, um, the Mayo Clinic says this, dehydration is when you lose more fluid than you take in. That's interesting, I suppose that stands to reason, doesn't it? Dehydration sets in when you lose more fluid going out than you actually take in. There's something there for spiritual life, I believe. Um, Some of the signs are fatigue, uh, dizziness, confusion. They talk about the colour of your urine, but I don't really want to go into all of that sort of stuff. (laughs) It's not the sort of thing you talk about in church, really. But these, dizziness, I'm confused now. Dizziness, confusion, and fatigue. You know, uh, these are the things that set in uh, with dehydration. It's really, really dangerous. Paul encouraged the Ephesian Christians, you know, as a church, in our life groups. It's really exciting. We're going through Ephesians. It's just just a great journey. And in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18, Paul says this to the Ephesian Christians. He doesn't want them to get spiritually dehydrated, I believe. So he says this, be continually filled with the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 5, 18. 
I believe he doesn't want believers to experience spiritual dehydration. It's my belief, my personal belief. You can have your own. Uh, So he says, be continually filled. In other words, a bit like Bishop Sadir, he says, little and often, be filled. Be filled with the person of the love of the Holy Spirit. An observation that I have for my For what it's worth, my limited Christian experience over the years, I find that spiritual dissatisfaction can sometimes be linked and an indicator of spiritual dehydration. I I do find that. I've observed. Spiritual dissatisfaction with life, my lot, my home, my existence, my marriage, everything around me, church, who I am, everything about me. Spiritual dissatisfaction can sometimes, I say can sometimes, be an indicator of spiritual dehydration. Dehydration sets in gradually and it can be very dangerous for our health. Uh, a man called Smith Wigglesworth said this. The secret of, and he was quite a character and it was known as the, the apostle of faith, a man of great faith who saw some amazing supernatural things happen in his life. Just a, a, an amazing man, a, a, a plumber from Bradford, but quite an amazing character, historically. He said this, many great things, but this is one thing on this theme of thirst. He said this, the secret of spiritual success is a hunger that persists. Just hold that for a moment. For anyone that saw amazing things in his own life was this man Wigglesworth. He said, the the secret of spiritual success is a hunger that persists. Then he goes on to say this, it's is an awful condition to be satisfied with one's spiritual attainments, just to park up and become complacent. That's what he's saying. God was and is looking for hungry, thirsty people. If anyone is thirsty, Jesus said, let him come to him and drink, drink, be filled continually with the Holy Spirit. Spirit. So he says there, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. And then he goes on to say this. Let's look at the next phrase in in those verses there. He said, rivers of living water will come forth from the depth of your life. Let's look at that phrase, rivers of living water for a moment or two. So if we drink, as we come in and we give our hearts and lives and open our hearts to Jesus Christ, open our lives to the power and person of the Holy Spirit and open wide to him, then he says that we will know rivers of living water. He's basically speaking of a supernatural life. Um, We'll be fresh and alive. Your marriage, home, life, relationships, my Christian walk, my relationship with God and those around me and the world in which I live will be fresh and alive. Why? Because we won't be dehydrated We will be filled and continually filled with his spirit. He says, rivers of living water. You know, it's not just, you notice there, it's it's not just a river. You've probably heard this many a time, but rivers. Do you notice that? When Andrew said this morning, you know, God is a God. Pentecost is all about overflow. He was absolutely right when Pastor Andrew said that this morning, praying about Petersham and the overflowing measure, the amazing things that God is doing. That's true. It's not just a river. He says, rivers. Isn't that amazing? The rivers, it means limitless, supernatural, overflowing, multiplying. See, we are dehydrated spiritually, dangerously, if we don't watch ourselves. Because we become accustomed 
not to experience the rivers, the limitless, supernatural, overflowing, multiplying nature of our living God. The supernatural overflow is linked there to thirst. Rivers, rivers of God will flow within our life. It's not just a flow, but an overflow of life. Do you see it there? He says rivers, not just a river. That speaks of an overflow. The psalmist, David said in the 23rd Psalm, Psalm 23 verse 5, he says, my cup overflows. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. It's quite a famous psalm, either sung or said, particularly at funerals. But it's a psalm to live by life. It's not just for the end of life, but to live at the beginning and through life. And in Psalm 23 verse 5, he says, my cup overflows. See, God is a God of overflow, God of rivers, God of superabundance, the God of the supernatural, the God of the inexhaustible. So what he's basically saying here, Jesus is saying, in a nutshell, if we come to him, if we come to God, there is an inexhaustible abundance of love, forgiveness, hope, relationship, purpose. It's inexhaustible. Hey, we work so hard to live a good life, to do a great life, to get up the rung and the ladder, to be better, to be greater. There is an inexhaustible supply from a loving Heavenly Father. How good is that? How good is that? How good every day, every day. Are you tired? Are you weary? Are you frazzled with life, work, family, decisions that you've got to make or not to make? Then... Drink from the overflow of life. Let's drink from the overflow of life, namely Jesus. Simple, isn't it? So simple we don't do it. I got the words ringing in my ear from Bishop Sadir. Adrian, drink! I can't do his Indian accent. It wouldn't be fair. I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be honoring him. But drink! Going on about it all the time. Drink from the overflow of life, namely Jesus, and experience the flow of of the Holy Spirit. There is the Holy Spirit of God who gives life. The, and so he said, they, so John said, by this, Jesus was speaking about this living water was the person of the Holy Spirit who Jesus would send when he went to be with the Father upon his death and resurrection. He sends someone to be like him, to live in us and amongst us, the person of the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit, not just some, someone to be talked about, or something to be prayed in the name of the Holy Spirit, but to be lived in relationship with, in the power of the Holy Spirit in our hearts and in our lives, in the very center of our beings. How amazing is that? And finally, he then says this, out he says, it says, it says this, rivers will flow within them. You look at it. It says that in the NIV, it says, uh, um, as we open up to God, it says that, them, that the rivers will flow within them. Another translation, the New King James says, out of his heart will flow rivers. It's a better translation. Flow is out. In, within, and out of us. How about that? That's a, that is a correct translation. The flow of the river of life and hope of the person of the Holy Spirit is in us, within us, and out of us. That's a fresh flow. It has to be in, we've got to drink. And there has to be a flow out of the giving away, the drinking in of love, the drinking in of forgiveness, the drinking in of hope, the drinking in of the power, the supernatural presence of the Holy Spirit, and the releasing of love, the releasing of forgiveness, and the releasing of the supernatural power 
the person of the Holy Spirit through us and amongst us and around us and in the world wherever we go. He says it will flow out of you. So there's a flood in and a flow out. Perhaps if the worship team would come, we're going to close as we just sing together and um, pray together. You know, there's the upward, come to Jesus. There's the inward as he touches our hearts with love and forgiveness. And then the outward work of the flow of the Holy Spirit from our lives. You know, nothing will quench your thirst for life more than Jesus Christ. He promises the supernatural flow of the Holy Spirit to anyone who is thirsty. Nothing quenches our thirst for life more than Jesus Christ. He promises the supernatural flow of the person of the Holy Spirit. He promises the supernatural flow of the person of the Holy Spirit. You know, we're a Pentecostal church. We believe not only in the power of the Spirit, but the flow, the personal flow of the Holy Spirit in and through our lives. So as we come to him, let's drink. Let's drink. Let's continue to drink. As Bishop Sadir would say, Adrian, drink. Let's, let's drink of the person of the Holy Spirit. Let's come. Shall we stand together, folks? You can remain seated if, it, if you prefer. It's not an instruction to you. It's an invitation. But I just find it's helpful. As we worship together, we're going to worship. Father God, as we open our hearts this morning, I just pray for people here from different backgrounds and different walks of life. Some of us have been Christians for a long time. Some of us have been Christians for a long time. Some of us Christians maybe just for a few weeks or a year or two. Some of us not sure where we're at right now. But we're here. We're here. And so Holy Spirit, welcome you. We welcome you this morning to come and have your way. Amazing that the whole world is raving about an amazing bishop who spoke with conviction, but he spoke in the power of the Holy Spirit, full of the Spirit. And so this morning, we too want to be full of you, Holy Spirit. Be continually filled with the Spirit. We open up our hearts, our minds and lives to you, Father God. Jesus said, if any one of you is thirsty, come to me, that's him, and drink. And when you drink of me, from in you will come rivers of life and supernatural flow of peace, hope, forgiveness, power, acceptance, freedom, direction, healing. We love you, Father God, and receive all that you have for us today, we pray. In Jesus' name. Thank you.